Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz Podcast at thehuddle.com with your host, Steve Gallo and Harley Schultz. Welcome back to the Blitz Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gallo, and this is a pretty special episode, I think. Um, Episode 144. Yes, 144 episodes in the books. Harley and I have been here for all of them, and the one doesn't really mean much for me, but the 4-4 has a little bit of a special spot in my heart, and that's because my wife said she would marry me when I proposed to her on 4-4-4. So anything that has to do with fours is usually lucky. And that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Harley, what about you? Well, you know what? I always believe in uh, in the great axiom of may the fours be with you. Yeah, nothing wrong with the may the four be with you. And, and around here, at least, there is a local baseball team, a, a minor league organizational team, uh, independent circuit until this past year. They're now a Twins affiliate. Uh, that Every year they do a promotion on May 4th, celebrating Star Wars. So maybe we'll have to get into um, something someday, Star Wars versus Star Trek. Well, that is May 4th, though. You're, you're talking 4-4, which would be April 4th. True, I am. I am talking April 4th. But that's okay. I get what you're saying, because um, we almost got married on 5-4, so I would have it really easy to understand that it was always the 4 that mattered, right? Instead, we got married on 6-4-5, so June Fourth, two 2005. Well, there's sort of an interesting factor. I actually proposed to my wife in the month of April also. Now, I proposed to her on April 16th. Now, normally you'd say, well, April 16th, there's nothing special about that. Well, my wife is a tax accountant, so April 16th <laughs> is an important day for her. One, yes. day, one day after tax season ends. So. And you know what else that is? 416, 416 is 4 times 4 is 16, so there's there's correlation for both of us from 4-4. Four, four. Well, you got 16, that's a perfect square of 4s, and 144 is a perfect square of 12s. You know what else For the is, math geeks out there. You know what else is perfect? What's perfect? Having that perfect fantasy draft where you just run the table. I think that that's something that everybody tries to to, to reach and probably doesn't get the chance to do that very often. Yeah, I'm reaching, I know. I'll tell you what, instead of doing anything else, I'm just going to throw it over to Harley for this week's Blitz Podcast News. Thank you, Steve. David Montgomery missed practice Monday following an early departure from Saturday's preseason matchup with Miami. The team announced that Montgomery was dealing with general soreness. Strangely enough, that is also how Montgomery's early drafters were feeling when they watched him hobble off the field on his first touch of the season. <laughs> Sean Payton announced today that Michael Thomas is ahead of schedule in his recovery from ankle surgery. To put this in non-coach speak, we can now firmly say that Michael Thomas may indeed play at some point this season. <laughs> The Eagles' carry-on Johnson injured his knee in practice on Saturday and is currently listed as week-to-week. This injury leaves Philadelphia shorthanded in the backfield 
as they only have 74 running backs remaining in camp behind supposed starter Miles Sanders. <laughs> Malcolm Brown appeared as the starting running back for the Dolphins on Saturday and out-touched Miles Gaskin at a 2-to-1 ratio. This raises the obvious question, when did Sean McVay replace Brian Flores as the head coach of Miami? <laughs> and finally, Justin Fields accounted for two touchdowns leading the Bears offense on Saturday versus the Dolphins. This may seem very run-of-the-mill until you realize that Andy Dalton has topped two touchdowns only nine times in the last five years. <laughs> this has been your BPN News Update. Is that a real stat? My God. It is a real stat. Yikes. <laughs> not, just in, not just in the preseason the last five years. Total over the last five years. Now, obviously, he has missed a few games, but he has only had nine games in the last five years that he's played where he's accounted for three or more touchdowns. Um, yikes. That's a strong <laughs> word to use. So I'm somebody that drafted Fields in Scott Fishbowl, um, but I also backed him up with Andy Dalton because having a second quarterback is very important in that league. I felt it was worth the risk-reward. Well, and I, it is definitely a risk-and-reward situation. I think everyone and their mother assumes that Justin Fields is going to be the starting quarterback there sooner rather than later. Uh, he obviously showed on, on Saturday what he's capable of given the opportunity. And, and there's some offensive weapons there in Chicago that, he can, that he's got surrounding him that could make him very, very valuable. Now, Andy Dalton proved last year that Andy Dalton is a backup quarterback at this point in his career. He had a lot of weapons to work with in Dallas, but his numbers were just plain pedestrian. Yeah. Um, offensive lines make, make a big difference also. But, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. So, you know, before we go any further, let's tell everybody what we're going to do today. We're going to cover our top, 10 tight ends for the year and top, top 12 top 12 i'm sorry top 12 tight ends for the year thank you for reminding me that means i have to add two to my list and top 12 quarterbacks um we'll start with tight ends and we'll finish with quarterbacks but before we do that i was in a draft um late last week the huddle expert 12 it's full P ppr redraft with a bunch of different experts um some from the huddle and other sites and i took the risk approach from the eight spot and since we were just talking about Justin Fields and risk, let's talk a little bit about draft and risk and when do you take it and when don't you take it. Well, I think you've got an interesting spot there being in the eight hole. Again, assuming this is a 12-team league. Yes. There, there really is kind of – that's a lot of people talk about the, uh, the, the pit, the, the drop point in the first round where you, you kind of get past that point where it's all sure things. And, and realistically this year, I would say there's five, maybe six running backs that are sure things. And then it becomes questionable. Now, in a PPR format, obviously, you might give some uh, cadence to a guy, and particularly if you have to start a tight end, like a Travis Kelsey there, or uh, uh, looking at the first wide receivers, guys like Devontae Adams, like we talked about last week, top wide receiver. But otherwise, in that 6, 7, 8, 9 range, that's, it's kind of a hellhole of who you're going to choose because there's, there's a lot of risk involved at that pick. So it's funny that you say Kelsey and Adams because Kelsey went at five and Adams went at seven. So they weren't even options for me. But that also means that somebody slides a little bit. Um, so the first seven picks were McCaffrey, Cook, Kamara, Zeke, Kelsey, Henry, Adams. 
I went. And I think you just identified the five running backs that are definitely going in the top six or seven picks in pretty much every draft. Absolutely. And we've talked about this, I think, last week, that I'm all in on Saquon Barkley this low in the draft. And guess what? That's who I took. Now, coming back, I do want to get another running back because I have a feeling that it's going to be pretty dry when it gets back to that third, fourth round setting. And, you know, my hope is that I can then nab a nice wide receiver, you know, end of that top 10, 12-ish type wide receiver to, to bolster my my wide receivers. The only thing I have a little regret on is I went Joe Mixon coming back, which I've landed him, him and Barkley on a couple of teams already this year. I really wish I would have possibly pulled the trigger on either Antonio Gibson or Clyde Edwards-Alaire instead. One, just to mix it up a little bit for me. Um, but two, I, Mixon's got a tough offensive line to rely on. The other guys have slightly better offensive lines. Definitely um, CEH has a much better offensive line. So that's the only thing that I'm a little bit apprehensive about, but I can live with it. It's okay. Now coming back. Well, it's interesting. You're in a, in a risk-based draft. Yeah, you took you took the safest thing of all three of those players, I would say. Interesting, you know, interestingly enough, yes. When Joe Mixon is your safest player that you took in your draft, that says something too. He's also probably the most vanilla player you end up with in your draft in most leagues. Very likely, but I think that the workload will be there. So as a running back, too, I'm going to bank on it. My hope was is that I see Keenan Allen make it back to me. That's who I really want, right? I don't. Yep. I don't think that I'm going to see. Calvin Ridley or DK Metcalf. I told you I'm not as high on AJ Brown. Um, I'm not as high on Justin Jefferson. I've got Keenan much higher than most people. So I'm, I know there's a shot that he can make it to me. If Keenan does well, in a PPR, you definitely you uh, in a PPR. The only one of the players you listed that I would take in front of Keenan Allen is maybe Jefferson, just because I think he's got so much upside. Right. But I, I mean, Allen's a PPR stud in year in and year out. Right. So. I'm sitting at, you know, 3-8 is where my pick will be. I'm hoping for Keenan Allen. He goes 3-7. Oh. So that means, well, okay, that's all right. I can settle for either Allen Robinson or Terry McLaurin instead, right? Yes, no. We both talked about them last week. No. Allen Robinson went 3-5 and McLaurin went 3-6. It went Robinson, McLaurin, Allen. I had one other Ouch. player. I had my pre-draft in for four players after Carson went at 3-4. Four players in my pre-draft, one, two, three, boom, 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 all went off. So I had to settle for my fourth. I'm not thrilled having C.D. Lamb as my wide receiver one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we talked a little again. We talked a little bit about this last week and the wide receiver tiers and stuff. And uh, yeah, I think you had C.D. Lamb ranked higher than I did last week. Yep. <laughs> Obviously, he's got upside, but again. That's about as risky of a pick at wide receiver one as you can make. And he's wide, and he, he went off the board at wide receiver 13. So there's 12 wide receivers off the board already. Most of the time, Allen Robinson's slipping you know, into the late third, early fourth round. Same with McLaurin. So when they went early, it's like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. If I didn't get Keenan Allen, I was hopeful to get two of those guys come, you know, going and coming. Didn't happen. Mm-hmm. So now I take CD. Coming back, it's like, Okay, who do I want to take here? Oh, best wide receiver on the board is Amari Cooper. I'm not double dipping on the Dallas wide receivers back to back. Right? So now. Not, no chance in hell there, no. So now I'm like, well, crap. Should I have taken DeAndre Swift instead? You know what I mean? And then taken Amari coming back, but that's hindsight. Julio Jones is on the board. Lockett's on the board. 
um, DJ Moore, Adam Thielen. They're the best available. Robert Woods, Chris Godwin, both gone. Cooper Cup, gone. Mike Evans, gone. So what do I do? I, I go Mike Davis. Not loving that pick, honestly. Next. Yeah. So, again, you see the upside, right? The risk on this. Well, I, I'm probably more of a Mike Davis apologist than anyone else anyone else at the huddle, at least. And most of the people on Twitter, uh, I, I actually have a fair amount of shares of Mike Davis already for this year. Because I, I see that there's definitely some upside there. Again, we, we talk about the effect that the Atlanta offense is going to have with the addition of Kyle Pitts. But you also have to look at the fact that they lost the receptions of Julio Jones. Yep. And Mike Davis has always been an effective pass catching back, uh, even perhaps even more so than his ability to accumulate large large chunks of yards on the ground. Although, if you looked at some of the pictures in this offseason, it looks like he's bulked up to the point where he, he could probably be that uh, between-the-tackles beast, too. Yeah. So, And running back-wise, guys I passed on, Miles Gaskin, Daryl Henderson, Chase Edmonds, Kareem Hunt. They were like the running backs that all went in the next round. So now I get past Davis. Coming back, I want a wide receiver. I'm going to take a risky wide receiver that I think has got plenty of upside. And I'm thinking I'm going to do the same thing coming back the other way. And my plan was I wanted to take Brandon Ayuk and Odell Beckham. Well, guess what? There's 21 wide receivers through four rounds. Ayuk was the 22nd wide receiver taken off the board, two picks in front of me. Ouch. So I pull the plug on Beckham as wide receiver 23. Again, a very risk-reward type pick, right? Very easily could put up top five type numbers, or it could be a wide receiver three. Ah, that means I don't, I don't mind him. I don't mind him at wide receiver three. I mean, I think uh, yeah, but he's wide Ob- Beckham is is definitely he's got the talent to still be a bottom tier wide receiver one uh, if he can keep his head on straight. Yeah. <clears throat> so now here's where the draft probably gets really squirrely for people. This is earlier than I would have wanted to take this guy, but now you've got two solid running backs, a pretty good plus running back three, right? And you've got an upcoming high upside, don't know his floor, wide receiver one, high upside, low floor, or mid mid floor, wide receiver two that could be a wide receiver one. So what do you want to do? You want to bolster the wide receiver position, right? Yes. As much as I would have liked to have let him go one round more, I didn't feel I could take the chance from a risk standpoint to not get his upside if he makes his way back. So I went oh, Michael please, Thomas. Please, please, I was going to say, please tell me you, you took the chance on Michael Thomas. Absolutely. Again, if, you, if you're throwing darts at the wall and you've got risks in both those other slots, there's nothing wrong with keeping that dart at the wall strategy going and just taking the biggest risk, highest upside player there. And there, there isn't a better option at this point than Michael Thomas, I don't think. No, I mean, the next wide receivers go Jamar Chase, Juju Smith-Schuster, Robbie Anderson. And then when it gets back to me, I took DJ Chark. Over Tyler Boyd, Brandon Cooks, Courtland Sutton, Jarvis Landry. Of course, I didn't want to double dip with Landry because yeah. I already have OBJ. Um, Curtis. I could see Juju maybe being kind of in that same yeah. range of guys with, with, with a huge range, a spectrum of potential outcomes. <laughs> Very true. Um, Curtis Samuel went early eighth. I was hoping he could have been somebody that I could have tagged coming back. Um, 
Debo Samuel went right before my next pick, so I wound up pulling the trigger on Mike Williams since I've missed out on Keenan Allen, and we both think that Herbert's got a chance to be a you know top quarterback, one of the top quarterbacks. Well, it's got to throw the ball somewhere, right? Yep. So I'm hoping that I know you're not very you're kind of lukewarm on Mike Williams, but I'm hoping that we see Mike Williams finally have that year, put it all together that we expect him to have. Um, at that point, you know, I'm like, <sighs> tight ends are falling off the board. I decide to go earlier for tight end than normal, but again, it's a risk reward, high upside guy, Robert Tanya. Well, I know we'll definitely talk about Tanya in a little bit, a little bit later on in the tight end section. We will, and he's uh, you know, again at this point here. Tanyan doesn't catch a lot of passes. He doesn't get a ton of yardage, but he gets touchdowns, and that's what's ultimately really important in fantasy. And now we're going to fast forward real quick, and then we're going to end this um, before we get into those rankings. So then I take my first quarterback off the board, Matt Ryan, as quarterback 15. That's one of those safe plays, but then again, you know how I feel about quarterbacks, right? There's a reason we're saving quarterbacks till the end of the conversation today. Yes. Then... Go past Ryan and Latavius Murray. Okay, there's my wide, there's my running back five. I took Naeem Hines in the round before, before Ryan. Nothing spectacular about those two picks. And now I'm in round 13. There are 18 quarterbacks off the board. And you know who I take? I take Deshaun Watson. Because, Another wide spectrum there, wide spectrum. Right. It's either nothing or it's possibly a top three finish at quarterback. Well, and you should know before the start of the year, too, if he's going to be out for one week, six weeks, right. or the entire season. If he's out for the entire season, yeah. he's a very easy uh, waiver wire casualty, and then you just pick up someone else. Yep. And then I finished out the draft by going another upside guy, Evan Ingram, right? Um, Ravens D, I think, is kind of solid, but it's D is D. Um, Jalen Rager, and then Robbie Gold, and Booker to back up Barkley to finish it off. So, what kind like... I think you have to know your spot, right, in a draft. You know that if you're at the end of the draft, 10, 11, 12, that you're probably able to go running back, running back, or running back, wide receiver, or wide receiver. You, you have a combo of things you can do. Same thing if you're in the first one, two, three, or four slot. You get into those middle rounds, five, middle spots, five, six, seven, eight, nine. It's tough, right? So you just have it, to know, it really is. You have to know where and when you're willing to take the risk. And then also, what is the makeup of your team? You know, and are you swinging for the fence? And at that point, you need to stay with it and just swing, swing away, right? Yes, and we'll get into that too as we get into the season because a lot of times it's picking the right risk that helps you win money in daily fantasy too. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, as long as it's calculated and you know what you're doing, that's what you need. You don't want to do it just haphazardly well, I did this, I think I should do that, and, and you don't really have a plan or you don't have an understanding of what you're doing. Um, you know, when you talk about teams that have been put together from a championship standpoint, what's one of the things that they talk about is chemistry, right? Yes. I've always said that there's chemistry in building a fantasy lineup. Now, granted, it's not that the players have to get along, but you still want to fit the puzzle pieces together right. And there are some that are going to be crash and burn or, man, they're going all the way to the penthouse. And then there's some that you know are just going to kind of float along, and they're going to be a solid team. You may not be the best team. You may not be the worst team. But you're going to hope to get hot at the right time. Well, at this point, I'm going to get on my soapbox and kind of preach to customers out there who haven't had their drafts yet. There's a great thing on the market right now. It's very, very popular. It's called the best ball format. 
go to these websites. You can play best ball format. And they, they have some now on DraftKings. They have ones on Underdog. They have ones on Fan Ball. Uh, where you can actually go to these sites and, and do a best ball format. It's a great opportunity to mock draft with a little bit of money into it. And they, they, you can get into leagues that cost as little as five bucks to ten bucks, all the way up to a hundred and a thousand dollars if you get into the bigger money leagues. But it's a great opportunity for you to kind of find yourself in different draft slots and use different draft strategies. Either a high risk, high reward draft, uh, a, a tried and true draft, a stars and scrub draft. I mean, different formats without overly committing yourself and w- without really affecting per se your desire to win your home league or your like work league or whatever whatever trophy might have some uh some added intricate value outside of the money involved too okay so since you said best ball i'm actually in a best ball draft the flex league um best ball league this year i'm not doing the live draft for covid reasons um and that draft started today at 11 a.m i am in the third slot my first pick was alvin kamara he was preceded by Dalvin Cook and, of course, Christian McCaffrey. Coming back, there are seven wide receivers off the board. And the best running backs left are Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Miles Sanders, um, DeAndre Swift, and David Montgomery, we'll say. Okay? Okay. So now my question is, my second pick, am I going to take who I, I really think is a little bit head and shoulders above those other running backs, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, or do I go and get my wide receiver that I think is a little bit more of a tier ahead of everybody else, which would be, say, Keenan Allen versus, and I know you're going to be, you'll, you'll be like, well, he's kind of with this guy too, Justin Jefferson, um, CeeDee Lamb, Allen Robinson, Terry McLaurin. I decided get Keenan Allen and settle for one of those running backs coming back at me because I don't see the two guys that are after me taking a total of three to four running backs. I see two going off the board. So I'm going to wind up with, in my eyes, one of Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Miles Sanders, or DeAndre Swift. Well, and you mentioned those three. I would have taken Montgomery over all three of those three, but that's another story. Well, we can throw him in there too. Um, <laughs> And, you know, that's where you have to balance what happened in a game and injury status and all that stuff, and you think people will be back. So, um, And I can't say that I'm not going to rule out that Montgomery is somebody that I might switch around here because I'm not really 100% sold on Swift. There's ups and downs with him too. Um, but I don't think I'd take him over Clyde. Okay. Well, it's, it's interesting. I mean, we're talking Swift a little bit here. We don't want to get too far off the topic of uh, tight ends and quarterbacks for today, but... I, I'm a little concerned about Swift with the play of Jamal Williams in the first game. Well, Jamal's going to have a role. I mean, that's one of the reasons why he's being drafted where he is, not as a stud, not as a starter, but as somebody that will be involved in the game. But, you know, in today's game, the, the bell cow's few and far between, and, you know, people say that they don't want any running back by committees. But basically, if it's not three running backs, it's not running back by committee. That's just the way the NFL is today. But they also say if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have a quarterback. Yeah, but quarterback and running back, two different things, unless it's, you're talking Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray or Josh Allen. But we'll get into them after we get into our top 12 tight ends for the year. So let's make that transition and do it right now because I will tell you, I did consider a tight end over Keenan Allen. 
but I just could not pull the trigger on Kittle or Waller at that point. Okay, so as always, we uh, discuss how many picks are going to match in our top 12. Yes. And also how many are going to match in the same spot. So uh, I would think that we'd have quite a few of the top 12 tight ends to be a match, but I'm not sure that they're going to match up on the spot. So I'm going to say that we will have nine tight ends that match, and we will have four in the same spot. Um, I'm going to take... I'm going to take the over on both. Okay. So we'll see what happens. I, I almost went five for the match, though. That would have been tough. Clo- it was a close four. <laughs> five is why I took the over. And I, I, can, I can tell you right now, I'm pretty sure we're going to match on our first two in both spots here. Uh, first overall for me is Travis Kelsey. Kelsey was arguably the best wide receiver in the league last year. He just happened to qualify at tight end. Uh, and number two overall is Darren Waller of the Raiders, the only truly reliable receiver for Las Vegas. He received the eighth most total targets among all active players, regardless of position last year. So much like Kelsey, they were both wide receiver values at the tight end position, which is huge. Yeah, no, we don't match. Um, we match ah. We match on players. We don't match on position. That means the four is probably out the window at this point. I have it, Kelsey, Kittle, Waller. Okay, Kittle is my third, so yeah, that was the uh, only differential. And, and the reasons why I put Kittle at three instead of two, we got quarterback question marks there. Garoppolo, how good is he? Uh, we also have the question mark, is, is Lance going to take over early or later? Is Lance going to yeah. be any good in that situation? Plus, you've got two healthy, solid outside wide receivers this year for the first time. It might just knock down Kittle's looks a, a little bit. It could be, but you know what? Just because they're healthy today doesn't mean they're healthy tomorrow. We've we've seen this before. Oh, the same so. goes for Kittle. True. Very true. Very true. <laughs> um, well, I'm not saying it was an easy decision. That's for sure. But the upside's definitely there. And honestly, Kittle or Waller could easily unseat Kelsey as number one. Um, I don't think it'll happen, but it could happen. Now, now here's where it gets a little bit more interesting. Uh, for pick four, I went with TJ Hawkinson in Detroit. Uh, Jared Goff actually liked to target his tight ends while in Los Angeles. Last year, he threw 121 targets combined to Higby and Gerald Everett there. So you know that he likes to throw to the tight ends. And and realistically, Hawkinson is the only reliable pass catcher they have left in Detroit. I mean, they brought in Brashad Perriman, I believe. Uh, They they have Quintus Cephas back, but he's hurt right now. Uh, uh, they've got the rookie Amon Ross St. Brown, who looks like he's going to be something in the future, but he's still a rookie. Not a lot that you can really rely on there. He's going to be looking to Hawkinson a lot. Plus, Detroit, uh, they're going to be playing from behind pretty much the entire season. And we do have a match, um, spot, and player. All the reasons you said. Uh, so that, that was kind of the other one that I thought we might match on, where I, where I put the four line. I thought that those four were basically the four. At number five, I'm going to go ahead and jump right in the water with Kyle Pitts. Now, before I explain to you why, <laughs> I would like to add that I have two rookie drafts that are ongoing in the background right now as we record this podcast. And in both of those rookie drafts, I took Kyle Pitts. One of those leagues, I took Kyle Pitts as the sixth overall rookie. And in the other one, I took him at fifth overall. Uh, 
more so a matter of uh, me not needing a quarterback in either of those two leagues. And also that uh, uh, the guys such as Najee Harris that I might consider taking in, in front of him were gone in both of those leagues. But I got Pitts. Uh, tight ends never do anything, it seems like, in their first season. But as tight ends go, Pitts has been compared to Kelvin Johnson. Kelvin Johnson was an elite wide receiver. And you know that Atlanta is going to be lining Pitts up at places other than tight end. If he's at tight end, do you really believe that a safety or a linebacker is going to be able to cover him? And then put him on the outside. Do you really believe a, a 5'11 cornerback is going to be able to cover him? The guy's got Tyree Kill speed, Kelvin Johnson body, and he qualifies at tight end. He's going to be huge this season and in the future. And we match again. Excellent. I didn't know if you'd go that high in the rookie. Well, I did, um, and I believe it's his. I think we're at his ceiling with this, so you are drafting ceiling. Um, but it is what it is. I mean, I think he's just got more upside than than the guys that we're going to have listed below him is what it comes down to. Well, I would say with that, the the four is possibly back in play. Yeah, I would say it is. You got to get two because, more to go because I took the over. So, you know, it might happen right here for the tie. Uh, Number six overall, I'm putting the veteran Mark Andrews of Baltimore. Andrews always seems to be involved in the red zone for Baltimore. Well, mainly because their wide receivers have perennially sucked. Well, this year the wide receiver room is a little bit better. But you know what? They're all currently injured. So right now, Mark Andrews may be the only show in town at come week one. So it is a match. We have the push. Now we need one more for the over. Well, we're going to see how much attention you were paying earlier in the podcast for our listeners here. Uh, my seventh tight end is someone that is on your roster there, Steve, and that's Robert Tunyon of Green Bay. Uh, his low number of catches and yardage do concern me, but he is Aaron Rodgers' second favorite target, and any tight end that can produce double-digit scores really bears watching, and that's why I've got him at seventh overall. So we have a match. On the player, not the position. Uh, I thought that might be the one that put us over. <laughs> yep, nope, not going to do it. So um, at six, I actually have Dallas Goddard, and, and I'm having maybe a little bit of, you know, anxiety about placing him that high the more I think about it. But, look, the top half I think is pretty set in stone. The, the second five of the top ten, you really can swing them around a bunch of different ways. Um, I really thought and still think that there's a chance we could see Ertz still move, but that time is starting to wind down to where it's not going to happen. If that happens, then I might drop Goddard completely out of my top 12. Um, it's interesting you say that because uh, I know you've got him, you said seven, right? Yes. Okay. I actually have Dallas Goddard at 15 on my list. And here's my comment on that. I, I literally wrote here, Dallas Goddard, 15 would be top six if Zach Ertz was gone. That was my whole comment. <laughs> yeah, so, mate, you know what? If we push, I'm taking a half for that. <laughs> okay. Uh, at number eight, I've got a guy that I'm a little higher on than I think most of the uh, fantasy football internet world is, and that's Logan Thomas of the Washington football team. Over the last five weeks of last season, Thomas had the second most targets, second most receptions, and third most receiving yards among all tight ends. He has a new, much more talented quarterback helping him out. You know, my only concern is that Curtis Samuel could cut into some of his looks a little bit, but they gave him a good contract there. So 
obviously uh, Washington's looking to get him involved more again this year. So not a match, um, player match, not position. So we know that through seven, I have Goddard. I have Tyler Higby at eight. I have Tanyan at seven, which we said earlier. And I have Logan Thomas um, at, let's see, that's five, six, seven, eight. What's that, nine, ten. I have Logan Thomas at ten. Okay. So you have eight is Tyler Higby? I have eight is Tyler Higby. Tyler Higby made my top 12 at number 12. Uh, Higby and Gerald Everett, as I mentioned earlier, combined for 121 targets last year from Jared Goff. They also combined for 85 receptions, 939 receiving yards, and six receiving touchdowns. Uh, Everett's gone. And Matthew Stafford? Uh, well, he just turned TJ Hawkinson into a top five tight end last year. He takes over under center. Oh, uh, yeah. And if Case need any other reason, look at the stats from the end of 2019 when Higby went absolutely ham. Yep. It's all about upside. It's all about upside. And I love the fact that Stafford's there. Um, exactly. So I think this is our last shot. Who, who do, you, do you, let's see, you've given what through your top I eight? Gave, Eight plus number 12, Tyler. Okay. So go ahead and shoot nine and 10. Um, because it, the, we can't match at nine and 10. Okay. Nine, I'm going with Noah Font of Denver. Noah posted above average numbers despite questionable quarterback play. Well, he still has questionable quarterback play. Well, Andy's also got Cortland Sutton returning. Uh, I'm a little afraid that he might slide even lower, but I've still got him kind of holding on to one of those last couple spots. At 10, I've got Evan Ingram of the New York Giants. Ingram finished the season fourth among tight ends in targets, eighth in total yards, and fifth in receptions. You know, he'd be a hell of a lot higher on this list if he had more than two total touchdowns. So the over is out the door unless you award the half point based on the Goddard comment. Um, I have I have Fant on my top 12 also, but I have him at number 11. And then I will round out my top 12 since we know you're 12. We know that that's Tyler Higby. Um, is a guy that I know that the industry and people in general are much cooler on than I am. But when we talk top 12 at tight end, I mean, you're looking for upside, right? Yes. I'm going with Jared Cook. Tell me who else other than Keenan Allen's a short, well, an Austin Eckler, or a short thing in Charger land that has as much upside from the tight end position as Cook does. You mean you're not buying the hype on XFL stud Donald Parham Jr.? I'm not. <laughs> he, and, Donald Parham is one of my favorite best ball, like, round 25 pickups. Yeah. And, I mean, I, look, look, Ingram is in the conversation for me there. Gusecki's in the conversation for me there. Irv Smith's in the conversation for me there. Um, Hunter Henry. I just think that, you know, Adam Troutman, if you want to take a shot on somebody, Ferkser, all those – I, I just Cook's been there. He's done it. He's a big body. He can catch the ball. I think that there's some tight end, some touchdowns to go around there. It's an up, up and coming, ascending offense, I believe. So, yeah, I'll take that guy. Okay. And you don't have to pay top twelve price for him though. You barely, no, you can get him near the end of the draft. <laughs> yeah, you get him tight end twenty through twenty four, probably maybe later. And that's actually where I've got him is ranked in the twenty to twenty four range. Yeah. So, there you go. Um, so I'll recap my top 12 tight ends, and then you can do the same. I've got Kelsey, Kittle, Waller, Hawkinson, Pitts. 
for my top five. Andrews, Goddard, Higby, Tanyan, Thomas, Fant, and Cook to round it out. Okay, number one, I've got Kelsey. At two, I've got Derek, Derek, Darren Waller. Number three, I've got George Kittle. Four, TJ Hawkinson. Uh, the rookie Pitts is at five. Mark Andrews is, is at six. Robert Tunyon is at seven. Logan Thomas of the Washington football team at eight. Noah Font at nine. Evan Ingram at 10. My number 12 is Tyler Higby. And the one that we haven't talked about yet, my number 11, is Mike Gesicki of Miami. Uh, Tua Tungo Bailoa was very successful at getting Gesicki the ball when they played full games together last season. Now, they've got a few more weapons in their offense, but Tua is also a year older, and it looks like he's actually comfortable throwing the ball more than 10 yards now, so... I, I kind of like him much of the same reason. A little upside option there at number 11. Completely understand. So I believe that that means that we matched on 10 um, in the top 12 and the four that were direct matches on the um, spot. Yes. So we hit the over and we pushed. Kind of. Uh, a couple guys that I just barely missed my list. Jack Doyle. A healthy Carson Wentz there uh, gives him the opportunity to assume the Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard role. Uh, obviously, Janu and Hunter... Uh, both in New England, has some quarterback question marks. They might cannibalize each other, but they both have the upside to be effective. Uh, Rob Gronkowski doesn't catch a lot of passes, but the catches he makes are in the end zone. And I think a lot of people are really high on Irv Smith breaking out this season. Uh, with the way their wide receivers are getting hurt, though, Irv Smith might actually end up suiting up as the wide receiver three for the Vikings this year. Yeah. So, okay. Um, good. Now let's talk about my favorite position of all. Not... <laughs> Um, let's talk about the quarterback spot. How many are we matching on? How many at the same spot? Uh, we are going to have 11 of the 12 are going to be on the same list. Oh, uh, of those, of those, four are going to be in the same spot. Uh, I can't help but take the under on the, on the 11 because that's tough, right? Got to get all 12 to, to, to win. 11's a push. Yep. So you're making me take the under. And then you said four, same spot. Um, I should take the under on that too, but I'm not going to. I'm taking the over. No, okay. I changed my mind. I'm taking the under. I'm allowed. Well, and so we also need to reiterate to our listeners, these are the top 12 quarterbacks that should be taken in your league. Now, understanding that Steve is a huge fan of zero quarterback uh, logic, these are the 12 quarterbacks that are not going to be on any of his teams. <laughs> Correct, because easily, and I've thought about doing this in the past too, my top quarterback could be Matthew Stafford. My quarterback three could be Matt Ryan. My quarterback two could be Matt Ryan. My three could be Baker Mayfield, because that's more realistic for who I'm going to target when I'm targeting them. But for this exercise, I went with the way the group would do it. Exactly. Group think at its finest. Yep, so I'll let you go ahead and lead us off. Give us your top Give us your top guy first, and then we'll move from there. Well, I like Travis Kelsey as my top uh, tight end, uh, so I've got to take his quarterback. Again, uh, KC fan here, so I'm taking Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I don't think there's really any comment necessary there. Uh, no, the only comment that's necessary is we have a match. Uh, rolling on to number two, I am taking Aaron Rodgers of the Green Bay Packers. Rodgers led the league in passing touchdowns last season, and this season is Scorched Earth campaign. This should be fun. Yeah, you know, I debated Rodgers everywhere between two and five, um, 
and I wound up putting him at five. I just wow. the guys I have in front of him do a little more with their legs, which I think gives them a slight edge. Well, then we might have a match at number three, depending on where you rank him. One of the guys that do a little bit more with their legs is Josh Allen of Buffalo. Only Aaron Rodgers had more total touchdowns last season than Allen did. Uh, I think that those two can kind of be interchangeable. And obviously, if you're drafting in a league that's going to be developmental or a dynasty-like format, Allen's going to go in front of Rodgers. But I think for this season, I think Rodgers outperforms him just a smidge. So the answer is no. That is not who I have at three. Um, because I have Josh Allen at number two. At number three, I have another guy who likes to use his legs, though, a little bit more diminutive in size, and that plays into me putting him one step below Josh Allen. That's Kyler Murray. Would I be shocked if Kyler ends up as QB1 over this season? I will not. But we know that Kyler can score touchdowns when he runs because he'll break it from 30 yards out. Josh Allen will call his number inside the five-yard line. So well, that's because they don't trust anyone else to run the ball on Buffalo. Well, yeah, that too, and that because he's a hoss. I mean, so <laughs> and you're splitting hairs with these guys. But so my top three is Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray. Well, we seem to be just like one off on a couple of these quarterbacks here because I uh, I have Kyler Murray at four, M- much like you said. I mean, his legs put him on par with Lamar Jackson. Uh, the big difference was his arm and weapons put him on par with Josh Allen. Yeah, that is true. Um, so at, let's see, one, two, three, at four, I have a guy you just mentioned, Lamar Jackson. And if there was an argument to put any of them behind Aaron Rodgers, the lack of passing and what is he going to do with Sammy Watkins? Is that the changer for him? Um, you can make that argument, but I just think his legs still are the thing that defines him. And that's why I'm as a top five quarterback at four. Um, where do you have Jackson at? I've got Jackson all the way down at eight. Uh, The wide receivers have to be better this year. They can't be any worse. But as I mentioned earlier, they're currently all hurt. I mean, literally every single one of them is hurt. Uh, But Jackson does have 2,200 rushing yards over the last two years, which would make him a top six or seven running back during that period of time. So obviously he's still a top 10 guy. I I just, I wish that Rashad Bateman, I wish that uh, Marquise Brown... I wish that anyone in their wide receiver room was healthy right now. And you know what? Here's how I look at it. If those wide receivers aren't as healthy, I actually see them running more. It's quite possible. So it's like that's a conundrum, right? Oh, I want him to have better wide receivers, but he doesn't have better wide receivers, so what's he going to do? He can't give it all to J.K. Dobbins. Um, So, yeah, it's – but again, he'll be going way too high for my blood, so it's not a big deal for me. But that's where I've got him. So my top five – and then we'll let you finish yours. I've got um, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers. Well, I've got Mahomes at one, Rodgers at two, Murray, I'm sorry, Allen at three, Murray at four. And my five is Tom Brady of Tampa Bay. He was third in passing yardage, third in total touchdowns, and now he gets a full season of Antonio Brown? Is that even fair? I mean, he's aging like a Benjamin Buttons here. The guy's going to be a stud again this year in, in that offense, playing against horrible defenses in the NFC South, too. Yeah, I mean, he very easily could have 5,040 this year, right? Oh, uh, he, he's a lock for 4,030, and that, that's his floor. Yeah. That, that's, what, that's what makes Brady so awesome every year. He's a lock for that. He doesn't throw a ton of picks. 
It's good weather most of the time down there between Tampa. You got Atlanta, Carolina, all those teams. Again, horrible, horrible defenses in the in the division. So I have Brady in my top twelve so far. We are five for five, I guess, or six for six, whatever we've talked about. They're all they're all in, in my top, um, but I do not have him anywhere near that high because he'll run for about thirty six yards this year. I think he's probably scored three touchdowns, so he likes those one yard dives. Yeah, I don't know. Can't bank on that. So. Um, but I, that's why the guys I have in front of him are because I think they could throw for just as many yards, close to the same amount of touchdowns, but they're going to add easily two, three, four, five hundred yards more um, running the ball. Well, one of those guys is my number six overall. That's Russell Wilson of Seattle. He has two great wide receivers to throw to, and he really likes to run the ball. His 513 rushing yards was fourth among all quarterbacks last season. So we have a match. I have Russ at six. <clears throat> this is one of the ones I thought for sure we were going to match. I thought that was just about the right point for him, too. Yeah, I, I tried to find a way to push him up into the five, six range. And if I'd have swapped him and Lamar Jackson, I wouldn't have been upset with that, honestly. Um, but Seattle's still saying, oh, we want to run the ball more. Um, I don't know that I would necessarily buy it. Otherwise, I wouldn't have him at six. If Russ cooks, his upside's top three, if not possibly even quarterback one. Okay. On to number seven here. Uh, this was the toughest one for me, I think. <clears throat> I originally had him ranked a little bit lower, and I moved him up a little bit. <clears throat> and that's Dak Prescott of Dallas. He just has so many weapons to choose from. I'm a little concerned his injury might limit him some. But, I mean, Dak Prescott was a top three or four quarterback before the injury, so getting him as inside your top eight or nine is definitely good. I, I love him at pick as quarterback number seven overall this year. So we have another match, believe it or not. And I struggled with the same <clears> thing. I actually didn't have him lower. I just could not, in good conscience, move him higher coming off the injury. Um, no injury, just you know, come picking up where he left off last year. He probably is in the top conversation for top three, um, possibly even you know, fighting Patrick Mahomes for number one. But no, I think that there's still some risk there. He's already had to have an MRI on stuff. So yeah, I've got him right there with you at quarterback seven. Well, we've already met my pick number eight, Lamar Jackson. Who do you have at eight? So at eight, I've got a guy that most people probably have a little bit lower. Um, I believe he has the ability to throw for 5,040 this year. That is not Tom Brady. That is Matthew Stafford. I think he's being hugely undervalued in drafts. Um, and he actually somebody that can fall far enough that from a zero quarterback standpoint, I actually can look at. Well, so Matthew Stafford finished just outside my top 12. He's the first player that didn't make my top 12 that you have on your list. He was number 13 for me. Yeah, a solid quarterback. He's always been a solid quarterback. He finally gets an intelligent court coach. Yep. He's got a relatively legit offensive line to play behind there. He's got two studs at wide receiver, too. And a good tight end. And a good tight end. Okay, so then who do you have at eight? Well, eight was Lamar Jackson. That's right. Okay, so uh, who do you my, have at nine? Nine for me is... Ryan Tannehill of Tennessee. I, I looked this up and I was surprised. He had the sneakiest seven rushing touchdowns of any quarterback in the league last year. I don't remember seeing him get a single one, <laughs> but somehow he had seven. Uh, oh, yeah, plus he gets to add Julio Jones to, to throw to. Is that really fair? So I do like Tannehill this year. He's, again, somebody in that zero quarterback range for me because he does get overlooked <coughs> by many people. He did not make my top 12. So we each have one outside the top 12 now, so... Yep, so we're we, my, the under hits. So that's 
10 players that we can only match on now. So, um, so my number, let's see, that's number five, six, seven, eight, nine. So my number nine is a second year player that could easily wind up higher. I think that he could see some, you know, a little bit of fallback just because defense has had a little more, you know, tape on him, et cetera. But, and there's nothing wrong with being a top 10 quarterback, right? But Justin Herbert. Well, we almost had a match there because I originally had Justin Herbert listed number nine. And then I realized I forgot to write Ryan Tannehill's name down. So uh, there was a point in my list here where Herbert was number nine. Herbert is my number 10. He had 4,300 passing yards and 36 total touchdowns as a rookie. That sounds pretty damn good. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. And like we said, I'm high on Keenan Allen. You, you can't help but be high on Austin Eckler catching the ball, right, as long as he stays healthy. And then let's see what Jared Cook can do and Mike, Mike Williams can do. Could be a very potent offense. Um, so at 10, rounding out my top 10, I had three guys I could easily went with. Ah, that's, 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 yeah, two or three guys. But I wound up going with the guy that kind of set the tone for my top five. It's what upside does he bring with his legs? Um, it's not Deshaun Watson. Um, it's Jalen Hurts. Uh, so he's your number 11? He's your 10. He's my number 10. Uh, Hertz, for me, ended up at 18. Uh, his legs could definitely propel him to success, but I'm really concerned that he just doesn't have the confidence of the organization. I mean, they're talking about training for Deshaun Watson. Uh, I mean, he looked shaky at times throwing the ball last season. Uh, obviously, he's got Lamar Jackson upside rushing the ball, Yes, but he's got to hold on to the job first. That is true, and but as more time goes, there's less odds that Jackson, I mean that Watson, winds up there, right? And yeah. so basically, he is your Lamar Jackson at zero quarterback in a sense. But I have seen him go top ten in drafts for, at the quarterback position too. So and that, and that is uh, for our listeners, that's just wrong. Don't do that. Don't be that guy. Yeah. At number eleven, I have Tom Brady. So who do you have at ten and eleven? Well, I said, I have Herbert at 10. Right. Uh, at number 11, I chose Captain Kirk Cousins of Minnesota. You know, the, the Vikings are a run-first team, but Kirk has two all-pro-level wide receivers to throw to, and, and Cousins is a consistent player. He doesn't throw a lot of interceptions. He never has, which is a huge advantage for leagues where it penalizes you for interceptions thrown. Uh, obviously, like I said, there's some question marks at wide receiver three right now. But do you really need a wide receiver three when your top receivers are Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson? Yeah, probably not. And that, and then Dalvin Cook that you can rely on out of the backfield. Totally. But yet that didn't make Cousins make my top 12. Who do you have at 11? Uh, 11 was Brady. Okay. So I've got Patrick Mahomes, um, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers, Russ, Dak, Stafford, Herbert, Hertz, and Brady. And at 12, I could have given consideration – I did give consideration to Tannehill and Matt Ryan and Joe Burrow and even Baker Mayfield. At the end of the day, I wound up going with Joe Burrow. He has a litany of wide receiver talent, and Joe Mixon can catch the ball too um, to work with in Cincinnati. And I think they're playing from behind a lot. Burrow was just outside my top 12. I have him at number 14 overall, just behind Matthew Stafford. Uh, going again down my top 12, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen at three, Kyle, Kyler Murray at four, Tom Brady at five. 
Russell Wilson at six, Dak Prescott at seven, Lamar Jackson at eight, Ryan Tannehill at nine, Justin Herbert at 10, Kirk Cousins at 11, and rounding out my top 12, Atlanta's Matt Ryan. Playing in good weather and indoors certainly helps. Also, playing from behind in shootouts helps too. Matt should see plenty of both once again this year, making him an awesome play, even without Julio Jones in that offense. So we hit the under on both. Shocking, but we did hit the under on 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 both. So, um, yeah, I gave Ryan serious consideration. Ryan's another one of those guys that fits that zero quarterback mold this year. Seems like he doesn't get, you know, much consideration, and you can get him at quarterback fifteen in a lot of you know draft sixteen after people have already taken their starters and a couple of backups at times. So, nothing wrong with that at all. And again, some of the players that just missed out for me: Burrow, Stafford, Baker. Uh, I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is going way too late in some drafts. Yeah. You're pairing a veteran gunslinger quarterback with Riverboat Ron Rivera, two solid wide receivers, a top 10 tight end, and two guys that catch the ball really well out of the backfield. Yep. Oh, and, and no other realistic competition behind him for a change. This is going to be a big season for Fitzmagic. Probably my favorite zero quarterback that I have not rostered in any of my leagues yet. This is like the, the perfect world coming together for Fitzmagic. I mean, I, I hope he just stays healthy. Yes. Because uh, that means a lot for that offense. And like I said, they really, I mean, it, it, Taylor Heineke, uh, uh, fifth or sixth year uh, backup guy who came up with the Vikings is their backup, I believe, right now. And he's out of, not that good. Out of stalwart um, football school, Old Dominion in Richmond, oh, in the Virginia area. Yes, Old I, I'm Dominion. I'm sorry that you remember that. <laughs> Can't help but remember it being from the Tidewater area. I, I remember a time a few years ago where uh, people in Minnesota were clamoring for him to get a start because we were throwing guys like Josh Freeman out there after Teddy Bridgewater got hurt. <laughs> yeah, poor Teddy. Hey, Teddy got a nice little round of applause, though, against the Vikings the other day. Well, well-deserved well in my mind. Deservingly so. I mean, he's, I mean, as maligned as I've been against Teddy Bridgewater for his fantasy production over the years— there, there hasn't been a better person at quarterback, I, th- I think, in the league in, in a long time. I mean, he's absolutely loved and adored by every city he's been a part of. And he, I mean, he's just a great story, and I'm glad to see him back. Yeah. I personally don't think he's going to beat out Drew Locke for that job, but that's okay because I think it makes him one of the most valuable backup quarterbacks in the league. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Harley, it's been a um, fun day counting down the top 12 tight ends. And, hey, oh, yeah, we did quarterbacks okay. Um, sorry, can't help it, guys. That's how I feel about the quarterback position. You can still find my article. It's not titled Zero Quarterback, but it is called Dissecting Quarterback Value or something of that, of that nature at the huddle. It's free. You can go read it. Um, of course, if you have questions about any of our picks, you can reach out to Harley directly on Twitter at Nuclear Harley. You can catch me at Steve Gallo NFL. And of course, if you have not done so yet, please go sign up for the huddle. All kinds of draft tools and cheat sheets and, and anything that you can think of that will help you to win your league. And also some money with DFS, which is degenerate DFS so far. But you know what? Season DFS is coming right around the corner. So until then, as always, get blitz responsible. Cheers.